0: Mud floods, resets, destruction, aftermath, walking in the mud, being the mud, digging in the soul, the soul mining, broken realities, found stuff, panda bear plush purses with collars, arm bags male corsets, fallen angels, coral codes, baby swaddles, new breed, new species, in the cooler, the royal family, and the poor. Amy D. and I today are looking into the darkened streets of the gutter, and we're seeing some glam. And in the glam, we're seeing Balenciaga's new spring showing, as well as Han Kubenhauen. There's a bridge there's a very significant bridge here. They're both very exciting to watch, to see, to observe. They're both bringing us realism in the true, true of now. They're showing us a glimpse into possible realities, future, unwindings, a found wallet. A message on a dusty, broken-down car. There is a new theme happening in the world around us. And when we start talking about pop culture, and we start talking about what's being shown to us for the future, and here we're looking at spring 2023, but it goes beyond We're looking at a new world, and those people out there, like Han and Dimna, are showing us what the possibilities of this new world are. We're seeing androgyny like the fallen angels. We're seeing things we can't conceptualize, and yet... They're conceptualizing it for us. We have come down into the muddy dirt patch, into the race for the future of our kind as the new kind moves forward. There's a little bit of mud on everybody's face now. And I can guarantee you that there's going to be a little bit of mud on everyone's face in the future. So Amy D. and I are very excited to break down these two showings from these two master houses. And as far as I know, Han Kubenhauen is still, well off the rack is still ready to wear ready wear as they say but it very much is presenting to me the modern day version of a house of fashion and of course Balenciaga is a great house of fashion that goes back a long way and we talked about that in our first Balenciaga show but with Dimna they are treading the future. I made the mistake and I don't mean to offend anyone here, but I thought I would check out a couple other fashion houses that have been monsters in the past and they still are monsters in the world that's departing us. So, I'm just going to pick on one right now and that's Valentino. I have been a big fan and what I found myself witnessing was a bunch of old school, archaic fashions and people being presented with the fashions. There was nothing new for me there. I very much loved some of the silhouettes and lines. I really. Really loved the veils with the V over the whole face. Very elegant. And some of the handbags and some of the, the dresses and all this. But I was sensing a lot of political signaling. Now, it's in Balenciaga and it's in others, but Valentino is bringing it in a cringy way. And so I decided to withdraw looking at some of the bigger houses this season and looking at some of the more obscure to most people houses. And there's a lot of great up-and-coming stuff happening. And this is where we need to set our gaze. And nobody is pushing it like the two we're talking about today. They are the big sharpshooters at this moment. So I'm going to bring on my co-host, Amy D., and we're going to get this party started down in the gutter. Amy D., welcome in.
1: Oh, hello. Hello. What a week it has been (laughs) fashion wise. Oh my God. You know, it's so funny with everything going on in the world and the fast paced of all the news and everything. I didn't even think about what month it was or where we were. And I've just not been in the season at all. And the Balenciaga Instagram alerted me via a very muddy vehicle and the date and website written in the mud, you know, with someone's finger as an invitation for the uh, event. I guess the formal event uh, invitation was a little bit more extensive it was a fake wallet with a bunch of really really neat art in it credit cards sort of I didn't have the time to analyze those with a comb like I would have liked to but I will try to post it on our our Instagram but that kind of gives you a playful welcome into this because it's like finding a wallet uh it's like coming across something that you weren't expecting and not really sure who it belongs to or where it's going until you get there and girl when i saw this demonstration when i saw the press footage come forward with all the mud and the darkness and i i You know, I know it's not the first time it's been done in fashion, but I was kind of shocked at what a difference it was compared to, say, last season, which was at the Stock Exchange, which was, you know, bright lights everywhere. So that was a real shock. And it took me a minute to kind of get into what I was seeing as I watched Kanye walk down the runway first. And he was in a full security getup, is the best I can describe it. And from what I understand, it's pull over and not zip up or button up, which is interesting to me for a structural standpoint and also just the access it would give a person to being able to use it. The word security was over his left chest, which I thought was a nice touch, honestly. And it really sort of hearkened this apocalyptic purge theme that we are now in. We can go into the symbolism of the mud later, but I would love to hear what your thoughts were on Kanye's first look.
0: Well, I think this is a remarkable showing altogether. And Kanye coming out in the beginning was fabulous in my opinion and he's in he's in such a great Great look. They did, they did him well in the fact that he's in an oversized, which is the thing right now. And in part of this oversized thing is playing into the apocalyptic aspect of the world and the future we're looking at. And it brings into mind grabbing clothing wherever you can get it, whatever size it is, getting it and having it on. And, of course, he's, in you know, it's all tactical. It looks like it's some sort of very protective wear, like leather or something like that. Very fierce, very security, very uh ready for battle with all of the compartments and everything. And security is so... Demna, you know, there was that 404 code on some of it and just some of the different aspects of the way Dimna works with the modern common stuff in the everyday world and puts it into this high fashion uh, application. So Kanye with, of course, the grill that says Balenciaga on it and the hat and then the hoodie over the hat. This is also giving me gray man realness, and not only is it giving me gray man, it is a wave of, and if we look at this in modern culture right now, it is a wave of reality for a lot of people in the world, and increasingly so here, where you have to be absolutely with your head on a swivel, because violence is breaking out everywhere, and there are small wars going on in cities everywhere. There are small wars going on in little towns everywhere. There, it's conceivable that we are in this greater war, yes, but these little wars on the streets with everybody being so angry and triggered that this is now the mindset, this is now the way of life. And yes, we will get into the mud and all this and this uh it also Amy, I just when I first saw it, it reminds me of motocross and uh some of those Tracks, you know, when it gets muddy. So there's, you know, again, it's this kind of off road too. It, it's away from domestication and it's wild, it's dangerous, it's also common. And in that, there's a beauty, there's a narrative of beauty within how stripped down and dangerous and raggedy it feels as well.
1: I really liked how raggedy it felt as well. Me, okay, this is a very personal, just kind of aside, but when I, my jeans always in high school, you know, 1998, 99, they all got down into the water and the mud. And it just reminds me of being someone who's not really, um, who's in it, right? Who's in the muck, really. School was kind of domesticated, I suppose, but if, but my feet in that mud, it's just so grounding, right? It's just so... It's the every man's thing. And like you said, there is something beautiful within the mud. And we can explore that theme further when we cover the next show. But there is kind of a theme in Buddhism where the lotus flower requires a muddy environment to survive. And I think that's really interesting given the context of the beauty of the Balenciaga designs. But also... There is sort of a suggestion with the Balenciaga tone that there is going to be a density, a condensation of classes, right? And I thought uh, it kind of is interesting because it's condensing two classes into one, into the mud class, but also it suggests beauty can thrive within that. But further, as we'll explore with the next show, there is a whole other class of people that are really considering themselves the Lotus, that are planning to survive, and I just find it very interesting that they um, that there is such a that it has become so obvious at this point that it is a feudal system.
0: Yes, and see people that have their eye forward and they're actually paying attention to the collective. And what's going on on the streets. And Dimna very much brings us this always. Dimna brings us the streets. Whether people want to criticize that or not. And he brings it into high fashion. And he brings it into the collective. And like all these shows, these are the runway shows. These are the showings. And what happens in fashion traditionally is there is the outrageousness of the showing, of the show, of Fashion Week. And then there's how it translates into the streets. And so one of the great things about Balenciaga through Dimna is that he reverses this in a weird way. He twists this because he just goes straight to the street level. And of course it does translate down from there again. It just gets redistilled and it's part of the genius. So it's kind of continually in this process of refinement. And I know that's a strange word when we're pairing it with what we're seeing on the runway here with Dimna and Balenciaga, but It is a refinement. And if we look at it through, say, the Gnostics or the Alchemist, this is a part of what's going on. And the mud plays into this, by the way. And we'll we'll dig into that. One of the things that I also found interesting as I was looking at the show was there's a sense of, dare I say, homelessness. And what I mean by that is, is that... This does look apocalyptic. This does look very Mad Max. This does look very on the go. And there is a lot of information to suggest that in the showing. So, you know, we have some of these jackets that have all this, uh, compartment, uh, type stuff sewn into it I saw it looked like on Kanye's there's areas for it bullets and you know all the all the tactical stuff one needs but then we had a new take on the arm bag and how the arm bag is a very specific bag in the world of bags and how he actually sews it into a sleeve and it's It's truly an arm bag, but they're sizable. You can get a lot of stuff in them. They're like old school carpet bags. And then the baby swaddles, very interesting. Again, those look very militaristic, very protective. They look like they're made with Tevlar. I mean, again, there's this idea of some of these textiles that feel very like they could protect you from a bullet shot or a knife or an attack. And this is at play here. And... Another thing with this showing from Balenciaga again, and of course black is always a very popular color in fashion. We all love black. I do at least. And I think it is a popular color in general because it, it is a number one color that people buy, even though it's really every color. It's all color. It's no color. There's a magic to it. And it's a dark showing, the whole thing. And we saw speckles of color through here, and I wanted to address this specifically, so what I noted was pink, yellow, white, silver, red, orange, and leopard. Those are the the color I noticed. Now, there may be more, but they're not as neon as we were seeing in other showings. So the neon aspect seems to be fading down. But one of the things that really dazzled me, and it brings in this royal family, it brings in the high chic side of it, the really wealthy elite aspect was the use of, and I, I didn't have my hands on it. I wasn't there in person. So I don't know exactly what the material was, but it looked like I was seeing LeMay, and I love LeMay, which is uh, uh, usually metal threads, right? And very popular, again, in 1922, 1928. LeMay in the 1920s was a hugely popular fabric. Expensive, glamorous, reflective, and then all the little the body shirts and everything that appeared to be sequins. And so there's this idea that, again metallics, so this gives us, and metallics, why they were so popular in the 20s was we were also looking at kind of space age stuff in the 20s. And we see this in a lot of narrative. And we've talked about that. So I don't want to rehash all that. But it's, it's a space age thing, too. It's a futuristic thing, even though now in 2022, to me looking at it, it's, of course, definitely I get that vintage, good time feeling from the 1920s stuff with all that LeMay. I love it. Of course, it became characterized by drag queen culture and all that as well. Anything sparkly, right? So there's this, but these dresses that came through also. So the royal family aspect, the elite aspect of this that are all walking in the mud with with the militarized stuff that we start the show out with, if you notice the succession of images. So we start with the military, then it looks like we have the street people, right? And then we move into the high intense gowns. And as you, as they're walking in the heels and stuff, the gowns are getting muddy, mud slopped on them, expensive lame. You know, the stuff is extravagant. It's brilliant. What designer is going to send out these absolutely beautiful couture gowns in that environment where the mud's just slopping all over them? It's absolutely a true narrative coming out of Balenciaga show this season. And you said it, Amy, it's the, the playing ground is leveled. And so these cuts were also very 1920s and 30s, a lot of bias cut stuff going on, high glamour. And the beauty of bias cut is bias cut is your friend if you want to show curve and show curve in a really flattering way. I love bias cut. It's my favorite to wear. It really gives you the hip. So I was seeing it on these androgynous bodies, these body forms. You can put a bias cut long gown on a thin male model, and you're going to get a very sexy silhouette because that's what bias cut does for you. So there was a lot of, as usual, this blending between... What's gender and what are we looking at here? The second model that comes out behind Kanye is uh, a model that's had top surgery. So they had their breasts removed and, and, and they're showing, you know, they're coming without a shirt on. This is very provocative. It is suggestive of what is going on in the culture across the board. No matter how you feel about that, it doesn't matter. We're checking our feelings here when it comes to politicized narrative on this stuff. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. What matters is it's happening. It's around us. And so let's talk about it without getting triggered. And so this is part of the new species coming forward. No matter how that's happening, no matter the politics behind it, we are seeing a very, very blended idea of what it is to be a human right now that seems to be stripping away sexual characteristics. And so Dimna showing us that. What are you thinking about all this, Amy?
1: Well, I'm just... I'm I'm watching the show as we sit here and talk, and I'm just watching them slosh, slosh, slosh in this mud, and I'm thinking about uh, everyone being leveled to where we came from, and then I'm thinking about these shoes, and if you haven't seen the show, these shoes are, typically it's a person either wearing a platform shoe or a clog, and in some ways, it sort of elevates the model out of the mud. But not really. And I think there's a lot to be said about these shoes and our relationship to the earth and our relationship to the bottom, you know. And that's I can't I can't shake it because all of these models Represent different, you know, walks of life, as you said. We have a progression of basically street people to the higher end to the butcher at the very end, which we'll get to. And I, I think there's really no way to remove yourself out of the muck than to artificially sort of raise yourself out of it. And I think that's might be what he's trying to say here. That's what I'm taking from it. There's really just this um, relationship. With human beings being landed.
0: It's intriguing. I'm watching the show as we're talking to, and we both watched it prior to this, obviously, but it's a reminder. And see, in this kind of gender bending that's going on, Balenciaga also brings in these corsets for what looks to me to be males, men. Typically, but I don't know what what they are in real life, honestly, and that's where we are uh, in society right now. And so there are these corset tops that look to have waist cinchers in them. I don't mind them. In fact, I I rather like them, and they they don't trigger me in the way some of this stuff does. Like there's some stuff out there, Amy, that I just can't pull up to. I can pull up to these. This is. I think pretty brilliant with him, and I also like in the transition as we we're looking at that there is we see really beat up jeans and stuff, and then again those those sequence body uh wear tops are you know they're form fitting I don't know what to call them, but there there's this again, we start transitioning from in the street to the elites, the glamour set. With a transition from the lower half of a body wearing beat up stuff, including the wide tennis shoes and all that to having some of the glitz start to come in. Were you noticing that transition at all? And what do you think about these corsets some of them are wearing?
1: I had noticed that. I just didn't even think about the androgyny of it all, which is so ridiculous because I posted about Demna's. Muse yesterday, who is maybe perhaps the most androgynous character I've ever come across in my entire life. And now that I'm seeing the andro, see, I saw the blendedness in everything, but maybe I'm experiencing what the audience at home is experiencing, where I'm seeing it sort of manifest at different levels. And it is so woven through the entire show that it's almost, it's so seamless that you don't even notice it. Because the whole thing is tying together loose ends. It's tying together the old and the new. It's tying together the male and the female. It's tying together the uh, the lower class and, let's say, like the, the middle class. It's tying together all sorts of things.
0: Part of the leveling that's going on between, say, the economic classes is the leveling that's going on between the genders We're definitely getting that in this show. Now, this is not anything new. It's been coming on for a long time. And I certainly loved back in my day, gender bending, like anyone else in the punk movement and post punk movement. It was great fun. It was a whole different world then and it was a different statement. But now where it's on like the mass level, it's a different space. So Honestly, looking at all the models and one of the things I always have to give the chef kiss to with Demna is his selection of models. I love, love, love Demna for his selection of models and where I was bitching about it earlier in a show, I'm not going to mention again, where it just seemed very political and very cringy. This seems equitable. This seems more realistic and everyone's represented, but everyone is up for question as to really, what genders are we looking at? We are looking at the fallen. We are looking at the fallen angels. We are looking at the blending, leveling the ground of what it is to be human, and what it is that we're moving into or out of. One of the things I found really inspiring, we start to see some of the capes. Now capes are all over, I noticed, and I love capes, so I'm thrilled by it. But capes are all over. And there's a lot of different ways one can process what a cape is as far as adornment. And of course, the very first thing that a certain set would think, oh, opera wear, right? But then another set will think, you know, witchy. And then another set will think superhero. And then, you know, we could go on and on with associations with capes. But what demna's showing us, and there are, there are dusters in the show, and there are capes. Capes are remarkable in that you can be anything under that cape. You can hide anything under a cape. A cape can also double as a blanket. And I when I've done um, outdoor camping and stuff, I have really long shrugs and, and capes and stuff that I've used as blankets. And so there's like a multi functionality with a cape. But a cape is also something that that obscures your form, if you let it, it is something that can look glamorous and high-end, but it's also something that could look scary. I mean, look at the whole idea of Mothman. Look at the whole idea of uh, caped heroes and villains. You know, this is at play here, and this is at play in society right now. There are people now rising into this idea of their reality. There's now a new Joker guy out there. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's posting videos, and he's he's literally doing the Joker thing and like from the latest movie with Joaquin, I mean, he's, he's saying all the same kind of stuff in his own flavor, but he's out there and he's doing it just like in the film. And again, art and life, life and artifice, Frankenstein and his monster. We're looking at all this. We are moving through this and living through it. And so this is a brilliant, tie in to what's going on in the collective and this is why dimna is so impressive and this show again with some of the terrible feedback i saw that it's the same old same old it's not the same old same old it's not at all and those people aren't actually really allowing themselves to get into it in a way that is deconstructing it like we are. Also, one of the big things I'm noticing in a lot of shows this season, and especially in the two we're covering here, are the platform. And I specifically wanted to make a note here. So back in the, uh, oh, I don't know, 1500s, 1600s, and even 1700s, platforms were... A standard wear and even probably into the up into the 1800s too with very fancy women that would put their their fine shoes into a type of platform to walk in the muddy streets with all their fine fine stuff get them so they wouldn't ruin those long dresses that were made of very expensive materials in the day you know and uh, also their shoes and so we're seeing platforms everywhere and if you notice most of them are on the glamorous ones in here, the platforms. And so it's a it's an interesting showing for that because it's also, it's showing us that they're in the mud with us, but they're also elevated. So we understand their status. So there's that. But also they're elevated in order to not be in the mud, but also... Because they're amongst the people. They're amongst the others. And this becomes a really significant part of our narrative here. So there is, within this Balenciaga show, some of these bags look like, almost like trash bags. But I can tell they're made of some sort of fine fabric, linen or leather. And... Again, we need to look in the totality of it all. So when we're looking at these fancier images, we're seeing stuff. So there's there's particularly this leopard bag that came through on a very striking model with some fabulous sunglasses. Now, I'm a big fan of sunglasses this season from both our of glasses period from both of our shows we're talking about but i wanted to rest on this leopard bag this leopard bag is sewn up like an old school muff hand warmer muff so there's that aspect of course love chef's kiss and then it's leopard what whether it's faux or not i don't care it's just presenting as a leopard or some sort of you know glamorous exotic cat. And this is suggestive of the old world. This is suggestive of the jet set. This is suggestive of people that could afford this kind of thing. And The muff is also suggestive of another time period and a certain set. And so I love the way that this became part of the show. Now, I only saw the one like this, but it only takes one. And it's the only piece of leopard I saw as well. But he he didn't need to overdo that. This is it. This was what needed to be seen. And this again, the model is wearing one of the oversized jackets and suits. And so the question here is... Did this person raid something or rob someone or, you know, how did this person come into this suit and this leopard muff? This is the question if you're looking at this as like a detective and you're looking at it as a story. And each of these models is a story into themselves that create the cohesive overall story, over arc that we're talking about here. So we're not going to go one by one, but this is a stick out. It was meant to be a stick out because it's the only one with leopard. And again, this is the question. How did this person come about it? And so again, leveling the ground. Now, Dimna has shown us that the street is now the story with the heist, with uh, the masks, in the past here, and with all of the kind of deconstructing of what it is we have thought society is up until this point, what we thought a male was, a female was, what we thought uh, the upper class were as opposed to the lower class and even the middle class. And what it is to walk a runway what it is to present high fashion in the mud, in the gutter. And so this became very apparent when that particular model comes out with that leopard bag. What did you think about this dichotomy going on between the uh, the switch over here in the show, when we start to show the fancier stuff? So we do see Amy, we do see well-fitted gowns I talked about that bias cut earlier that looked like those were the people that those were meant for and then with a leopard bag the oversized suit so it looks like this person's you know that's a suit usually suits get tailored to People, even if you go to an off the rack suit place, they usually will tailor it to you. It's a service almost offered almost everywhere. They'll do a little tailoring for you if you want. And of course, the fine haberdasheries, they will. That's part of the service, and that's a step away from actually having something couture for yourself made for by hand for you specifically, like at a tailor. So, what are you thinking about this kind of heisty energy that's still in here, and uh, how it's mixing with the fact that the finery is now in the hands of the paupers?
1: Well, sort of how the Sopranos aired in the 90s and really brought light to the fact that these gangsters were living sort of like middle-class kings. This is what this reminds me of is that first of all, the dichotomy exists so that the upper class or the middle class, let's say, can sort of blend in by day with streetwear and still do their thing by night. But I think it also suggests that there is a blending of the two worlds occurring in real time. These dresses are phenomenal and they're beautiful and they're just as, well, they're not tailored. uh, the The other ensembles aren't as tailored, but honestly, it's the person that's wearing it that makes it beautiful. And I think that you're onto something with people just coming across, say, an oversized Garment and having to wear it, but I also think there's sort of an homage being paid to the spirit itself, sort of why secret societies might wear hoods and capes and cloaks. I think there's sort of, it's, it's not about the exterior, it's a, it, while it is also about the exterior, it's very much about the interior and how that can morph in the physical and manifest in the physical in many different ways. One of my favorite things that I did see, and it's kind of a throwaway, and I'm sure we're going to get into all the bags at some point, but kind of to juxtapose the trash bag that you were talking about, there was also a highlight of a Lay's potato chip bag, and I loved it. I thought it was really great because... Again, it really paid credence to this idea that it's not the thing. It's the person who wields the thing. And so, again, it's this real testament to the spirit as well. And that's kind of where I was with that.
0: Yeah, well, and that's classic Dimna. We love that. You know, and it it goes without saying, too, that he introduced a new version on the doctor's bag. And that ties into... One of my all-time favorite runway models, his muse at the end that brings up the show, and we'll talk about that person. These Dr. bags are very, very beautiful, and they're big, and it's also suggestive of what we see right behind Kanye leading the show was... Uh, a person that had had top surgery and had their breasts removed. And so th- this is a theme running through the show. It, they give it to a away. second model in and they back it up with the last model and that kind of butcher dress, almost like fetish, leather fetish wear and um, gimp, gimpish as well. There's all this stuff kind of swirling together that creates such a dynamic showing. I want to look at these clogs as well. Now, where I grew up, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. You know, there's a whole... Dutch settlement in Iowa. It's called Pella. and I mean, there are a lot of Dutch people. I have a lot. I have it in my blood, too, just because of, you know, it's just there and why my people ended up where they ended up. And so clogs are very interesting and they have they have an interesting history. And there's a lot of different ways to approach a clog. There's the nurses' clogs now. I can't even remember the brand that you see. They're ubiquitous on nurses these days. And they're a clog. That's a form of clog. But they're, Dimna's showing us some almost really old school. Dutch clogs that were made traditionally out of wood and again like I was talking about with the platforms and we saw those platforms there's different platforms in the world and the ones I was talking about are different than the showing but the original platform goes back hundreds of years and it goes into Japanese culture as well. Geisha wore them to get up, you know, you don't want to soil all this finery. And so this is there, but what else do platforms do? And how did platforms move into modern culture? Because, you know, a lot of people that don't realize that they have such a a history think of them purely as 1960s, 70s groovy wear and They are an absolute historical, uh, they're historical footwear. And so there's this idea of platforms that raise you above. They give you height. They give you something different. They change your form by giving you the height. And they're different in a heel because a platform moves the whole body up. It moves the front of the foot up as well. And so for shorter people, it's fantastic because you get a longer silhouette. It gives you a longer leg. So there's also kind of this aspect to it. But think about a platform just in that way you're on a platform. You're on a platform with what? A voice. A voice of what? Adornment. How are you adorning yourself? And you start to get the idea of how deep this idea of a platform is rooted into the psyche of humans and how far back it goes. Because in the day, back in the day, it was the finery, it was the royal family, it was the aristocratic set that would wear them so that their fine clothing wouldn't get drug through the mud and the piss and the shit in the streets at the time. And even in in Versailles, and places like that, you know, where people were pissing behind curtains and, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You can do your history searching and, and all that Elsewhere, but I just want to bring this to everyone's attention that there's a long history there, just as there is with the clogs. Now, the clogs are interesting because clogs had a very specific position in and on farms and uh, working out in muddy conditions, and they were indestructible. And of course, you know, the traditional ones were wooden, like I was saying, just like the geisha platforms, except for clogs had this, at fine clogs, you would put, you would have something comfortable on your foot and you would put your foot into the clog and then you would do your thing. And there were different clogs for different functions. So it was really exciting for me to see clogs make their way into this show. And I inspire people to look at the history of clogs and understand the differences and in different places that they showed up throughout history in our history, in our historical context of, of footwear. I found this very exciting to see, but he's also showing us Amy D deconstructed denim that, you know, the deconstructed denim in different ways where he's cut the, the jeans in in the middle and made like skirts. Now we've seen this before; it's nothing new, but it's interesting in context to this whole show, and the slankiness of all this. The people wearing the midriff coats is interesting as well. We have some of these puffed up jackets in the with the midriff, and uh, the Balenciaga big thick belts this season, these belts remind me, Amy, of weightlifters belts, of protective belts. They remind me of belts that have multi-purpose, that you can, well... You could use them in a military operation. And so I'm just wondering about some of these accoutrements that came into play in this show. What, what were your thoughts on seeing some of this stuff we saw in the nineties with the chain, right? The chain with the wallet, the, uh, these thick belts, the midriff stuff that's going on in this show. Um, there were a couple, and I hate to say this. I'm cringing saying it, but. Those fanny packs, I just, I, I can't love them no matter who does them. But there's fanny packs here too. And what is a fanny pack? A lot of travelers like fanny packs because it's on you and you can, it's hard to rob people of their fanny packs and get into their fanny packs. Again, this tells you an idea of migration, of movement, of having everything on you. So I was wondering your ideas on the accoutrements.
1: I think you are incredibly on the nose there, Nish, with the idea is to have everything on you. And in having everything on you, that, again, requires this sort of amorphous energy. And that, uh, like you were saying, this can be used as a bag or can be used as a pillow or can be used as a multiple, multiple things in one's life throughout the day. And It has to do with the person and the know-how. I love the 90s aesthetic that are coming back. I think it's that perfect blend of something old and something new. Again, I really do think it pushes us forward into this bizarre apocalyptic um, American horror story sort of vibe but as far as where it brings us back to with the 90s I remember wearing those wide leg pants they're definitely coming back I'm very excited as a person with a boxy frame the proportion of everything as we've talked about before that's one of Demna's favorite things to mess with but you know it's also the playfulness and it's really hard to say the word playfulness with all that's in front of us with the mud and the dirt and the slogging but the playfulness with the sizes, but ultimately the the lays bag, but also the, the stuffed animal that has been sort of de-stuffed and turned into a purse reminds me of, I think, something I made when I was in eighth grade and very fashion forward with my granny chicness and, you know, had my little Gen X uh, do-it-yourselfer vibe. It really gives a lot in many different ways, in many different forms, the new generation. And there's also a lot of Speaking of accoutrement body modification, I think some of the models uh, sported some horns and there were some other things going on. I, I didn't get too close up. But I also noticed in some of the pictures, I think when Doja Cat attended and with Connie West, you could see their faces had been made up to appear like they were beat up. So that was an interesting sort of aesthetic addition as well. I loved every single one of his accoutrements. I loved the muff. I think that's interesting. And this idea that keeps coming back is all of these things can be used for multiple multiple things, multiple purposes. The beginning, of the show with the security, and then we'll get into the end of the show more in depth with the um, the muse and the what I like to call the butcher dress. It's just so interesting because the whole vibe of the show is so amorphous and. You kind of utilitarian and multi-purpose and it can be this or that but why even worry about what it is because it's both and then you have this in my estimation a figure that comes along that's sole purpose is to butcher things which is to divide things which is to remove the limbs from things and make things so that the, the, the body that once fit together no longer does it's disassembled and repurposed for different things and so I thought what a great way way to end a show that um, was so centered on the amorphousness and the totality of the everything. And to suggest at the end that there was some sort of division awaiting was interesting.
0: So speaking of that, one of the things I'm glad you brought up all the body modification that was separate from say that having the breast removed, because that's a big deal. One of the things that struck me hard in the show was We can't tell who's what as far as gender, really, truly. I can't tell. And I think I can tell, but then you don't know. And that's part of what's happening in society right now. And so the way people are finding individualism through this kind of now generic body form that seems to be coming out of modern times, where you can't tell what it is, the individualism is starting to get expressed in other ways. And so some of the other ways are these body modifications. I saw the, the horns under the skull, you know, and on, on that one model. And I've seen the different eyebrows and, and different things that are going on with the modification that has a different way than in the past of really expressing yourself. And uh, showing individualism as the whole figure, the human figure is becoming more homogenized. And we see this in the world around us. So it doesn't have to be outlandish with testosterone levels for. 24-year-old men and 54-year-old men being the same. That's like a statistic right now. Uh, This is telling us what's going on. This is being manipulated. This is in in the air. This is in our foods, all the soy products. And we, you know, it's a whole different show. And I get into this in the Cosmic Salon. But everything around people is kind of bending or arcing these different signatures as to what it is to be a certain gender into a homogenized one kind of form that we see in the angelic order and other ideas of that there's a whole idea of the jenna torture experience here or the the cinnabites and this has become the narrative in the collective everywhere whether people want to accept it or not, it's here and it's happening. And it's important to keep your eye on it. One of the standouts for me was that big bird dress. And it, it's so shocking. Uh, it's uh, bright yellow. And it's interesting that it's on an Asianic person. I find that interesting and I find that interesting because the land of the rising sun, there's a whole bunch of symbology right in there, but it's also on and in the part of the show that's showing a lot of the finer clothing that would be accessible for the elite or the nouveau riche uh, that are maybe not elite as far as bloodline and all that, but they have come into that, that kind of uh, resource, that kind of money that are down in the mud with everyone else. This was shocking in the whole show because it, it really stood out. And again, what is, what are we being told here? What What are we looking at in context to this whole showing? Because she sticks out or, you know, they stick out. I don't know what the model is. And so they stick out in such a way that, it's a, it almost wakes you up. Like the rest of it feels almost hypnotic. It's all pretty much gray and black. And, you know, the whites are, are pretty, they're on the gray side, right? And and there's silver. There was also, you know, there's the lame. We have, we have all that. But this is a full yellow piece. And I do believe that we have seen that in pink. I'm sure it comes in the range of colors. I do believe that... I could be wrong, but you may correct me here that there was some sort of sub narrative here because I think Kim Kardashian was seen in the pink version of this. Am I correct?
1: I had not heard of that. Go on. That's very interesting.
0: I just saw a blurb that she, even though she wasn't there and their kids were, she, I saw a picture of her in the pink version of this dress saying it was her support for, the show. Now, I don't have the receipts on this. I just saw it when I was trying to find the collection to watch again as we're typing this. So, I saw I saw the headliner that she was trying to show support by wearing this Balenciaga dress and she's in the pink version. So, anyway, the point is what's going on with that narrative? And so, again, our audience will fill us in on these details. I want to leave that as an open question. I have a lot of ideas, but again, it's the sun. The sun represents hope. Yellow is, is also a color of regeneration in some schools of thought. Yellow is also a color associated with gold, which is also prosperity and... Um, Apollyon and all this yellow I do think of when I think of Asianic cultures and it's interesting that it's put on an Asianic model and so you know this is there's a lot going on with that and these models at the end here are showing in their very fancy shoes as well and like the one after that that's in the white sequins dress that appears to be bias cut, it's all sloppy with mud at the bottom. And they do hone in on it and let you see that mud slopping around. That model has a ton of studs and stuff in her face. And uh, she's looking like she's going to kick ass as well. She's got kind of resting bitch face, if you will. She's a badass. And she doesn't seem to mind. And then... You know, we're seeing these silhouettes. Again, is this LeMay? Is this net with sequins? Amazing stuff coming out of the high-end couture section of this. And the mix of actual races in the show is good it's very good. It's not leaning one way or another. And this is something I like about Dimna. He's not trying to make any political statement with like we were seeing with Valentino, which seemed to be a lot of Somalian models. And no, I'm no no shade there. And, of course, the most famous of all Somalian models is the great Iman married to David Bowie. No shame there. Somalian people have gorgeous faces. It's just a fact. And they're tall and thin and model So what we see as we get towards the end of this show, though, is our favorite. This model is incredible. And so what can you tell us about the muse of Demna?
1: You know, I had not even realized that Demna had a muse until after I had reported on the prima donnas Instagram about that, obviously he had amused, but I hadn't thought of her being or them being in the show. It's very unclear. It is probably one of the most ambiguous models you'll ever come across. Very much lean in my perspective, female, but that just, There's nothing about that other than my own projection. It is a very blank sort of vibe. I I cannot um, encourage our listeners at home to look up the show enough just to see it. You know, she's the model who was in our favorite model from the the Wall Street show, which was she had the black sequined get up on and she walks like the little ghoul she was our favorite and this is the inspiration for so many of demna's recent collections very interesting really brings home the notes of androgyny amorphousness um again i just so easily and willingly projected my own experience on her which is exactly what i'm sure i'm supposed to do because demna's a genius and they do seem to give this model some of the most iconic looks. Obviously, is the muse, that's the traditional thing to do. But this one feels different. This one, maybe because it's my first time seeing this model's face and really experiencing the whole vibe, it feels very otherworldly um, and not in an etheric sort of way. Uh, and perhaps this model is really embellishing these aspects and characteristics and maybe this is just how they conduct themselves in their day-to-day and their walk is but sort of a magnification of that but it's a it's a very um, unfamiliar vibe while also being totally familiar because it's sort of the template for everything but it's in that uncanny valley of being the template but also being nothing in that you can project anything on it, it's empty but also full. it's sort of um I always think of it as like the letter q because it's uh it's got the circle and the and the dash like it's supposed to it goes together it's the totality it's the it's the thing that we're that what would appear so many of the artists and so many of the people that we follow on here are either about or they're really just into showcasing and pedestaling. but oh man I've never seen a character like this model and I would love to hear what you have to say because this is as someone who traffics in the exotic and unique niche I would love to hear what you have to say let's just put that
0: well I'm in love with this model and I think this model's name is Mintu right yes And uh, this, this model gives me everything I need, especially when we're looking at high art and the application of high art, which is what we're looking at here. So I'm sorry, that's just the name of the game. That's what's happening. And this model is intriguing to me in all the best ways. I think this model is very much serving me Tilda Swinton in Orlando Tilda Swinton in general Tilda in um, oh geez I think Constantine maybe as the as Archangel Michael um, and remember and the angelic order are androgynous they are this model serves to me angelic Archangel this, serves to, this is, to me, how I view archangels. This is how the Bible talks about them. This is how they're talked about in lots of different uh, tomes. This is what they're talked about. Now, modern Christians don't want to pull up to this, and they often overlook it, but it's the reality. And so that intrigues me. I'm very—yes, and so Charlize and Mad Max, yes, and— uh I'm I'm just in love with this model. I couldn't be more in love with a model than I am with this one. This goes against a lot of the old school standards, whereas this model is androgynous and apparently tall and thin, because I don't know how tall this model is. That, yeah, that's old school, but there's a certain amount of muscle that this model has that is gives me a little bit more masculine feel but then there are some you know when you see this model in other clothing there's just this this model has a really thin rib cage and then hips so it looks very feminine and masculine at the same time the head the face is i can't place men too i can't and i love that i have no problem with this because again I'm looking at the angelical aspect of this. And people need to understand everyone is so pre washed with when you say angelic order. They think about the Victorian period when you're seeing them in like they're perfectly beautiful. They're either you can see that they're male or female and they've got all this light around them. That's not how they're described at all. This is not the the angelic order is a scary Scary situation. And I inspire people to dig into all that. Plenty of great material out there. And I've talked about it ad nauseum. So this one has given me that. I'm looking at Michael. Right? I'm looking at Archangel. I'm looking at an Archangel when I look at this person. Whether or not that's a true true. But that's how I see this. So when we're looking at this person in this show. Bringing up the end. Now. Kanye starts it. This Mentu ends it. We're looking at what looks like a very intriguing outfit. So there's all these hearts dangling from chains. And I mean the heart symbol. So not the actual image of, say, a heart that's beating in your chest, but the symbol of the heart. And like Love Bomb heart, that kind of heart. I find that intriguing. I find that provocative. We're looking at all these handles that look to me like fetish wear and zippers and these gloves. And so there's this whole idea of reordering the monster. This is like Frankenstein I'm looking at here. And... Coming up after showing you the monster, Frankenstein's monster. And like I said earlier, we start with security, with Kanye West, and all the reflective strips the caution strips, the strips, the worker strips that reflect and let you know that there's a person there or let you know that there's the caution tape, all that stuff. And then we move right into the person that has had their top surgery and we get right into the show and we see all these different characters and different stories moving along the narrative in a circle around this pit of mud. So I think that's something we need to also consider is that this is it looks to me like it has a lot of depth that's a pit that's a pit so what's going on with that so we're bringing up it this is the architect this is usually the last showing of of a walk of, a, of the thing is the, the piece de resistance. This is the piece. This is the narrative. A lot of times that's where the show in the production of getting an, a show going starts. And so Dimna very much wanted this to be the, the tale here, and we're looking at it. So this person is appearing to me to be the mastermind of... Everything that came before. And there's a reason why this person looks so, so uh, well, like an architect, like a mad Max architect, like a butcher room genius sewing together bits and bobs of pieces to create something else. This is pale, 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 no eyebrows, dark eyes hardcore expression in the face determined walk everything about this person says stay away and yet there are swinging hearts coming off of this garment and other things there are spikes and and hooks looks like meat hooks and stuff like that again i don't have close ups of this so i'm just going off of what i'm seeing so we are we're talking about reordering what it is to be human, reordering the human race. And what are we coming up out of? We're coming up out of a pit. That runway looks like a pit. It's a mud flood at the same time. It's representing all of this. In the show, for me, Amy D is representing a reset. And the reset is coming up out of the old, obviously, rising up out of the pit, rising out of the pit of hell. Is that a possibility here? Is it rising up out of the mire? Not just digging in the dirt of the soul. That's the most obvious interpretation. And so I think this is a good moment to start looking at, at the set and to look at the set, we must look at the fact that Demna actually put out an artist statement so do you want to take us into that artist statement Amy?
1: So the Balenciaga 2023 summer show began with this letter I hate boxes and I hate labels and I hate being labeled and placed in a box society the internet and the world in general loves doing that because it feels safe this way. One needs to have courage and persistence to truly assume their identity and who they really are. Every day becomes a battlefield to defend this unique identity. And the more you try to be yourself, the more you get punched in your face. But how great is it to be different from one another? The challenge is to get and to keep walking towards your true self after you have been beaten up and knocked down. Fashion loves boxes and labels more than anything. Luxury, not luxury, street, couture, good, bad, buzz, viral, all the same, who cares? Putting luxury fashion into a box of polished, exclusive, and visually expensive is limited and pretty old school. Individualism in fashion is downgraded to pseudo-trends dictated by a post and stories of some celebrity of the moment. I've decided to no longer explain my collections and verbalize my designs, but to express a state of mind. Fashion is a visual art, and all we need is for it to be seen through someone's eyes. Fashion, in its best-case scenario, should not need a story to be sold to someone. You either like it or not. The study of this show is a metaphor for digging for truth and for being down to earth. Let us let everyone be anyone and make love, not war. Demna.
0: So, what do you think about that statement?
1: I love it. I think that's the best thing ever. And not just for some, you know, unity gold pill sort of way. I love it because I could not agree with it more. Fashion really does try to pin and box people in in a way that um, I think we're tired. I think that's done. I think the old boxes are no longer there. And until the new boxes are completely unveiled, there still does exist at least the illusion of a potential of something new and more exciting. And I think right now the smart people, the really creative people, the geniuses of the world are taking advantage of this midnight hour and really trying to put their imprint on the next boxes that are going to exist.
0: Yeah. And see one of the struggles I had in the different art schools I went to, because I'm a dropout all the way through, Because I refuse to play regurgitation. I refuse to uh, do a lot of stuff that it takes to actually get a meaningless degree these days. And they basically are all meaningless. Sorry, it's the truth. Unless it's a trade or something like that. Uh, And that's something I talk about in the Cosmic Salon. But I did go to art school. I went to a few. And I've got a heavy art history. I am, in fact... I hate saying this, but I do consider myself an artist without that title. I'm notorious for not liking that. And one of my biggest bones of contention moving through those those regurgitation loops through the modern day thing they call higher education is that I always felt, and I feel this way still, that the art should stand on its own. You should not have to have somebody stand up before you view a piece, whether it's time arts, sculpture, paintings, performance art, whatever it is, whatever the showing is. Somebody that needs to tell you what it is before you experience it. Art should stand on its own. The message should be what you take out of it. And this is a big deal to me. And it's a big deal when, when people ask me for bios when I come on their shows, because I'm usually like a creative, you know, a creative soul living a creative life because I hate all of that. I detest labels. I detest the idea that I need to tell you about who I am before you even experience me, or that I need to tell you what a piece of art is that I made before you experience it. When I put something out, I want it to be on its own. And a lot of times why well, I don't sign stuff, I have art all over the world, and I haven't signed Hardly any of it, dolls and sculptures and paintings and not, you know, I'm not like I'm not definitely not a famous artist. And I will probably never be because I refuse to play the game. And that's a whole different story, the game of art. But what I'm saying here is this was a brilliant statement from Dimna, and I couldn't agree more. When you make something and you put it out into the public, it is no longer yours. And the experience people have with it is an intimate experience, whether they hate it, love it, indifferent, neutral, whatever the experience is, it's theirs. It's their experience with something you did create, you're a Frankenstein monster, the thing you created, but it has nothing to do with you at that point anymore. And so way, the way I've always felt about these things is if you are intrigued or if you are confused by what something means or what the symbols are, what it represents, then you can go digging further. This is how, you know, say you encounter something from Anna Ninth, say her book incest Do you read it and you're like who is this person or no better yet henry and june the movie with uh uma thurman and you know just that great cast great film i love anna easton i've been a fan of her my whole life she changed the zeitgeist and a lot of people don't even know who she is but there was this film this that, she, that Uma Thurman did, and it's amazing. And so you're like, wow, this character is very interesting. And so you go looking, who is Anna Eastman? What did she actually contribute? And you realize how big her footprint was, and you didn't even know who she was. And so this is the beauty of releasing something, a baby, into the world vis-a-vis art, in this case, Dimna's collections, and allowing people to have their relationship with it. And where it goes wrong is in the culture that he's talking about. In this stamped culture... In this, it can, you know, everyone's only going to show pink and yellow this season. You know, that goes around. And uh, and they also suggest when you're going to the shows, if you have the golden ticket, you know, they give you a suggestion of uh, generally colors and theme that go along with those. And so, you know, everything's very curated and people get uncomfortable when you go wild, when you go raw. They get very uncomfortable because they need the safety of curation. They need the safety of other people's opinions about something. And this is, again, mirroring back to the whole university system, the whole underground art scene, and who's really making the artists and who's breaking them, and uh, into the Hollywood mill system. This is underground, undercurrent Underfoot, this is in the mud of society. And so, if you're interested, you go looking, you go asking questions. What did Dimna mean by this? If you can't figure it out, if the relationship you have with the piece is insufficient for your own curiosity or your own well being because you're unsettled that you don't know what it means, if you don't know what something means, then that is a call to go look for deeper meaning, understand the symbols, understand the different layers of texture that goes into making something, in this case, a show. What is Dimna really saying? Because he's telling you in that note, he's not going to tell you it all. He gives you an idea of what he thinks he's saying, but he let it go. So it becomes the collectives. It becomes society's baby. And like they always say in fashion, how will it translate to the street? And that is the bottom line. And that's the bottom dollar also. So with the showing of the show, I want to get into the mud here a little bit. Dimna gives us in that artist statement that is just so brilliant. And I, I just fell more in love with him with that is that digging in the soul, getting into the dirt well, there's a, and, and getting down to the ground and all this. There are a lot of ways he could have put this together. He could have thrown Astroturf down, which would have been very dimna. He could have thrown um, any other kind of version of getting down to the earth. but he chose muddy pit, a muddy pit. That's what he chose. That was the choice here. And he worked with a design. He worked with an artist to do this. So, you know, there's credit that goes to that. It's, it, it was a collaboration as all these things are. And I, I would like to get into that if I can. I don't have those details. So I don't, I don't recall who did that, but that artist had done another showing with a muddy, a muddied gallery and all that. And I think it's brilliant. I think it says so much that most people, well, not most people, but generally a lot of people miss that symbolism because they don't understand it. Because most people don't inner reflect. Most people don't do the work to get to that level of, of comprehension when it comes to working with symbols and playing with the zeitgeist in certain ways, which is molding us into... A future causality. That's what's happening here. And see, when I'm speaking and you don't understand what I'm saying, then that's a, that's a call. That's just like looking at art you don't understand. If you don't understand what is being said, then you have choices here. You have the option to go look and understand and get to a higher level. And so... If what we're saying here is confusing, then it's a call to raise your own consciousness up and do a little research into some of this stuff because this stuff is shaping your world. This stuff is shaping everyone's world. The goal of the artist is to create something from nothing, to show you what you can't see because the brain works this way. The brain needs something to conceptualize an idea, a thought, it needs some form and artists create the form. Brains are looking for patterns. They're always looking for patterns, eyes, nose, shape, male, female, you know, all the, all the triggers in the brain that go off to settle the left brain so that the analytic side of your brain is moving forward into the narrative. And if an artist shows you something that you couldn't see before, then you will see it. And then chances are you will see it everywhere. And then you have raised your consciousness. That's what all this is about ultimately. And so with this mud, with this pit, what's the pit? What is the pit? The pit is something to consider here. And I'm asking this of the audience. How do you feel about this imagery? This is more than just digging in the dirt of the soul. This is more than that, because we're looking at the models, we're looking at each story coming from Each of these models that were heavily curated, this was all heavily curated, and there was an order to everything. All this chaos had an extreme amount of order. And so with that, I want to get into this this idea of the soundtrack and, and then, of course, this artist that designed the runway. We are talking about cyber realities. We are talking about... The new form of the human. We are talking about cyber bionetics. We are talking about bio technology. The music was brilliant. And we need to talk about that for a second. The muse the soundtrack is a major player here. I like how Dimna presents soundtrack here without any real language in it the language is what the instruments are doing for us and so there's a doom march to it it almost feels like a dirge at times it almost feels like a soldier march at times it feels very doomy and uh dark uh soldier march is what i had written in my notes so there's all this stuff going on and it's created a very dystopian environment Are we going back to the pit? Is that a bombed out imagery? Is that a bombed out imagery? Is that a crater? Is that a crater like we see on the moon? Is that a crater in the earth? Is there a nuclear component here? These are questions to ask. This is how you deconstruct the world around you. And so with that, Amy, tell us a little bit about this designer. Just a little blurb here. And then also, let's look at the soundtrack a little bit.
1: The designer in charge of the set is named Santiago Sierra. And he, like many of Valenciaga and Demna's Friends and their circle is very controversial. To begin with, um, the show received a lot of, let's say, ire from the critics simply because Kanye West walked in the show. And in a show that was all about making love and not war, it was very noted that... Kanye West, he's kind of painted as a Trump supporter and I guess a Nazi, uh, whatever they call him, the most agro-narcissist, a literal Trump supporter dressed in fascist SWAT gear. That's what they call Though they Clearly the person who's writing this for artnews.com, in my estimation, does not understand the point of any of these artists, but that's neither here nor there. The other reasons that this Santiago uh, art at Santiago Sierra is so controversial is because he's created works in the past always really trying to indemnify in a fashion um, in this art which I'm not versed enough to know the actual name for where they like to throw the the, the vibe of the people back and to shine the light on colonialism. He part of his installation was he sought the blood of the First Nations members. And I think it was mistaken by the people who were, you know, viewers of this art to think that was actually the desire of Santiago. And in fact, it was to make the point of that. And I guess he's gone on to have some pretty, from the normy perspective, pretty distasteful um things to installations about the Holocaust and the gas chamber. So this guy is not far from any of the circles that Kanye or Demna are running in, which is I think they're very misunderstood geniuses. That's just my take. And I don't think I think they're living in the future. And as you've talked about with me throughout the months that we've known each other, that sometimes when you are. A creative a genius something along those lines and you see the world differently maybe not the rest of the world is there to see it with you so while he makes complete and total sense to me and he's making some incredible points about culture in the world he is apparently racist and controversial and the low level understanding of this art in the mud
0: and isn't that so modern this is what Demna's trying to take us up out of. And the very first note I had before I read the artist statement was at, when I saw the show was aftermath. And like I said, is that the remnants of say, a landmine? Is that a bomb? ditch you know is is that a bomb crater aftermath came to mind and so when i read the artist statement and i saw that make love not war comment and again that's back to makes me think of the 1980s with boy george and uh you know and some some of the stuff that was going on in the 80s which is very much alive now we're relooping that uh is interesting the thing that i love about all this is, and that I love that Kanye was there, that it was going to trigger people that are absolutely caught up in the circus of politics. If you have not come to this idea at this point, I inspire you to get deeper into the idea of what are politics and who's working with who it took a world effort to lock down the world. These leaders We're all hand in hand to do that. There is no opposition when it comes to a certain level. They are all working together. There is no one side versus the other. Just like your left brain and your right brain. We hemisync this up. What is Dimna telling us? What is he doing? He's leveling the playing field in the aftermath of all the bloody-ass war we've been through. He's leveling the playing ground between sexes, between economics, between politics, all of it. He's leveling it out. and Or if you want a trigger phrase, he's flattening the curve. And so the music, we'll get into that in a second. I wanted to ruminate here on this aftermath idea and Kanye West. So something brilliant popped up, and I think it came from you, Amy, maybe not, but Kanye West, I guess at the after party or something, you'll clarify this, had Candace Owens there, and they were wearing, Candace is in a white shirt, T-shirt, and Kanye's in a black T-shirt with white, saying, white lives matter. Candace is in the white T-shirt saying, white lives matter, because... White lives do matter. And not only that, why does that make it such a statement? Because in the very early days of all this chicanery that we've been in, all this tomfoolery, all this absolutely controlled demolition of society through a milieu of planned, staged events— I inspire people to dig deeper and stop taking narratives as they're being thrown at them. Put your emotions aside and stand from a neutral standpoint as a sovereign being. Not sovereign in a political way, but sovereign in a spiritual way. And start to deconstruct the world around you. That's what we're doing here. So when you look at this statement, That's coming through because in the beginning you couldn't say white lives matter or all lives matter because the dot org of the movement of the BLM movement wouldn't allow it. And then, of course, all this stuff's come out with that movement and oh, that's a whole different show. And I'm one of these people where it's all lives matter. I don't give a fuck what anyone says come at me. Tell me my life is less important than your life. It's not. And to me, my life's actually more important. So to start relegating in old world ways, and we're looking at Dimna talking about new world ways, to start breaking people down because of how they present or what they are looking like or what they're wearing, whether you can tell if it's a man or a woman, that's none of your business. Your business is your business. What people think of you is their business. And one of the messages that we're getting from Dimna is exactly that. And what we're getting from Kanye And people like Candace Owens, whether you hate them or love them, is that same thing. They're actually bringing balance to a very unbalanced system. It is all right to not like a culture. It's all right. It's all right to not like a person. It's all right. It's all right to feel love for something that other people don't feel love for. It's all right. Love means love. Love is love. Well, why does that all of a sudden have conditions? And why is it one party can be racist, but the other party doing the same thing or worse is not considered racist? We need to understand how we're being manipulated and who's manipulating us and why are they manipulating us. And that is a journey you can only go on on yourself you have to go dig for those receipts you have to look into your own soul you have to look into the mirror to see really truly what are you looking at are you looking at an avatar wearing Gucci this and Prada that and and this hair and that makeup and all that stuff that is meaningless in the end especially as you're moving through whatever death is, and you're getting right with whatever your God is. The playing ground's leveled. The bombs have already hit the ground, and Dimna is giving us a real good look at how that plays out. So what do you have, Amy, on the sound?
1: Well... I personally loved Kanye's stunt stunt at his show uh, for season nine. That's his line, I believe, in Paris Fashion Week. And that is where he was seen with one Miss Candace Owens. And if I love anything about being alive today, Nish, I think it is what I love the most is trolls. I just do. It's, I don't know, it's the garbage person inside of me. It's the little... I just love seeing it. I don't love doing it, but I love seeing it. And I love it when it's done well, especially when it's wielded towards, you know, low level thinking, um, and cognition. So in my estimation, Kanye West did a few things here. He did what you said. And also, um, Just to kind of pivot your life, the person listening, whoever you are, your life should be the most important thing to you and maybe your loved ones, all that. But there is I think that that should go without saying it'd be the most uncontroversial piece of information that anyone ever gets out of life is that you it is okay to say that you are the most important person in your life. That's not to say you don't care about others and that's not to say you can't take that too far. But it is normal, especially in the United States, but it is normal to have, there is a part of us that wants to survive, okay? That is just a reality. But beyond that, I think he knew what he would do, um, what he was doing with this, because I think he knew he would, A, get a lot of attention, and I think he also knew he would guide the conversation in a way. I think he was kind of showing you, like, look, if I do this, they're going to do this. Because it's not as if you don't know who. It's not as if Kanye West didn't know exactly what he was doing with uh, Candace Owens, and it's also not as if we didn't just read Demna's piece. And it was a different fashion show, different artist, all of that, but sort of the same vibe of you're not going to put him in a box, and you're not going to put Kanye West in a box, and that's not necessarily because when he wears the mega hat, he believes in that. Or because when he wears the White Lives Matter shirt, he's a White whitelivesmatter.org supporter all of a sudden. It's because I simply think no one is going to tell Kanye West what Kanye West can do. And as someone who is down with that cause, for everyone who wants to be down with that cause, I could not be more happy about it being in the zeitgeist. And to further that, I will say, as many of the listeners know, I do a lot of work on TikTok sort of navigating the modern world and to see what's going on. And in that I receive um, a lot of waves of propaganda that is different. It's, it's sort of a content that is geared to look natural, but it is all, it is, you can just tell it's a wave by the way that they are um, sending it to you and the frequency and things like that. And Kanye West having this white lives matter uh, T shirt on was about as meaningful to the internet as just a week or two ago when um, Adam Levine's w- wife, he had cheated on her or something. It was so inconsequential about that, but it was the moment, okay? It was the moment. It was all that the internet had to offer. It was where all the louche was going at that moment. And so I think that's what he was trying to do. Now, I don't know what he did with that energy, right? But I do know that at the very least, he was demonstrating his point, which is. Look at how stupid these people with cameras are, because all I have to do is this, and they're going to do this. And it's like they are under their own spell. They are under their own sense of mental slavery. And I think he is proving that point on such a meta scale that it is almost deafening. It is. I mean, it would be deafening, except for everyone is and their mother is talking about it on the Internet. But yeah, so that's the controversy there.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's brilliant and it shows you the level that some people are functioning within or on. And this is why I think it's such a good idea, mental health wise, when you are triggered. It behooves you to set aside your emotional response and, and look in the mirror and question yourself. Why does that trigger me? You can't control what other people do or think or see in a free space. So the people telling us what we can think and do and say, that's fascism. And oftentimes in our modern world, the fascists are actually calling the people functioning in a free space fascists because they're saying things that the fascists actually don't want to hear and are trying to cancel, shut up and hush. That's not a space to be in. That's no kind of space to be in. In fact, that's a hell space. That's a hellscape. And people pushing for that are pushing for a total control environment. If you're being triggered by something that says, make America great again, well, why are you being triggered by that? Does that associate itself with Trump? Because that statement was not originally Trump's. Again, nobody does research anymore. Nobody looks at historical precedents. Nobody looks at historical context. Nobody looks at context, period. All they do is look at that snapshot of Kanye and Candace and go from there without context. And it's out of control. It's out of control in such a big way that the whole of society has been blowed up as Dimna's showing us, and so I don't want to linger too much on the soundtrack, but I want to just make sure that we understand the absolute brilliance of it, the absolute masterful cohesion of it with the overall story arc that we saw there and i was applauding it i was so thrilled again in contrast to other shows where it was definitely virtue signaling the hell out of it out of their shows and they're trying to make these people that are trying to control everyone else and cancel everyone else uh happy they're playing these other houses are playing to those people. They're playing to those narratives. And I just find that cringy. I find it uh, unforgivable personally. And I won't spend any time talking about it anymore because I am a person striving for personal freedom and personal freedom for everyone out there. And if I don't like something... I don't have to listen, and I definitely don't have to talk about it, and that is walking the talk. Those houses can do what they want. Those people can buy what they want. Those people can wear what they want. They can think what they want. You can hate me. You can dislike me. You can say whatever you want. The moment that's a problem is when you come and try to hurt me or slander me, that's when you cross a line. That's the line. And everyone right now is in the minefield, the proverbial minefield of what Demna just showed us. That is a landmine, for real. But the landmine is in your mind. The landmine is a mind parasite, and the mind parasite is absolutely getting what it needs right now in society so amy what do you have on the soundtrack
1: i don't have too many details on the soundtrack other than to say i absolutely loved it i thought it really sent us into a different sphere and i think that it even had some sort of industrial sounds to it am i am i remembering that correctly
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it
1: was it reminded me it just reminded me of like a 70s horror movie but like very chic from Paris or something. It gave me just all of the suspense, all of uh ambiguous sort of those like sounds underneath the sounds um otherworldly is all I can think of. When I hear it reminds me truly of the spheres of I think Saturn when we watched the OA and the evil doctor, you know, reveals the sounds of Saturn to the OA and it reminds, it's, those are the sounds that we are hearing.
0: Oh yeah. It, well, it had a dirge feel. Like I said earlier, it had a soldier March. Do we know who, who created the soundtrack? So we're asking the audience out there to inform us who did the soundtrack for the Balenciaga showing of 2020, spring 2023. We don't have that here. This is why this is a group effort. We are just postulating ideas and theories and talking about what we're seeing and going off the cuff that none of this is pre-scripted. This is us going off the cuff, having looked at stuff and moved through it. We try to keep it raw and real for you all. And so let us know because we believe that that was brilliantly paired and the whole show as a whole for me, Amy D was absolutely brilliant, symbolically rich dirt. Loved it. Yes. And so we're going to segue into what I think is like the best pairing with this. And we already introduced this in the beginning. So you know where we're going to go. And I'm thrilled by this. So we are moving into the spring 2023 showing from Han Kubenhauen. And this is in incredible. I was blown away by the show. I don't even know where to start. There's so much going on in it. An incredible showing of models perfectly picked. Again, we are seeing incredible imagery of the human form and how the human form is easily manipulated To present something other. And this show brings the otherness in a different way than Demna's. But I I really think it's worth noting that the opening scene with this incredible model, and we will have these shows in the show notes, there's an angel. There's a, a fallen angel. And I'm not sure right now, and this is bad, bad, bad as an artist, that I don't know this particular, I don't know this sculpture. So I don't know if this is, uh if this is Cupid and Venus. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Um, and it again, it's a terrible thing. I should know. But we have a Cupid type angel and cupids are an They're one of the angelic orders, and they're not like in the Victorian era or the Fiorucci uh, angels. You know, they're not—the way they're described in all the magical tomes, including the Bible, is not cute. And Cupid's especially suffered the worst fate of that. So— that's front and center. It's the very first thing we see, this Cupid, this angel with wings, touching what looks to me like a Venus figure. But it could be part of the Paris uh, mythology and not Paris, the city people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's more for you to get into and understand what's the mythos of Paris, right? That's a mythos. There's a story there. So... This model comes out in these incredible shoes, sauntering in a way that is creepy. Uh, the makeup is done so well with these models. It is dystopian. It is alien. It is otherworld. It is regal. It is stark. It is s- severe. And at the same time, there's a luxury going on. So we are up out of the mud. We are up out of the destruction. And we are into a new culture. We are into a new period. We are into the aftermath that we saw coming from Dimna's showing. So the second model that comes through is, again, giving us an idea of a new race or perhaps an old race, say fallen angels or or the fallen or something alien, something from another place or something with a third strand of DNA. And Amy D. and I left the scarves out talking about them in the dimness showing which everyone's calling the umbilicus scarves but i want you to know that i saw something very different in those scarves i saw and i read those scarves as the third strand of dna and how the human race is transforming the human race is transforming because of things that have gone on to us environmentally things that are happening to people vis-a-vis choices they've made with health procedures. It's happening. We're in the middle of a genetic change in the human being. And the third strand of DNA is at the center of that talk. So I could pull up to the umbilicus, of course. I've used that in my own art and specifically in my video, Come and See, I I I show it. And so that's there. But also the umbilicus is in the womb, in utero, and it's tied to the mother, the black earth. I'm talking about Dimness show again. I'm, I'm bringing us back so we can go forward. The umbilicus connects us to something that is growing us something that is protecting us, something that is our security. The blackness of that hole also could be aligned with the darkness of the womb or the black gray matter of the brain. When you close your eyes, the blackness behind the eyes, the umbilicus connects us to something else. DNA does the same thing. It's the same thing if you can allow yourself to see that it's the same thing functioning in different ways, but also similarly. So now in the Han showing, the second model coming through is very, very provocative. In fact, I think this model is the most provocative for me in this showing. And this is an incredible incredible image we are looking at Nosferatu we are looking at uh at you know I've heard people call it powder and what we're seeing and what we're seeing in a lot of these shows is and we're seeing it all over the collective is the shaved head and eyebrows we could talk Doja Cat all day but we could talk about how everyone's losing their hair right now how everyone's hair is getting thinner. Whether they want to talk about it or not, it's actually happening. There is a change going on within us, and within this change, we are collectively changing. I could look at this second model and put her right into the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith, and she looks like she's one of those people that took... The cancer cure, the cancer vaccine that creates that story, I Am Legend. And this looks like it could be one of those. So we're being shown this change, this shift in ideas of what it is to be human now. Or what it is to be here, thinking we're human and so the, the silhouette, again, is regal. It's grand. It's, it's absolutely opulent with a trailing, uh, billowing black fabric. It looks like it's possibly some sort of a, a chiffon or a Georgette material, something luxurious. And it's all the way up to the legs or the, the crotch but doesn't show the crotch. And then the head, powder white, bald, no eye, eyelashes look gone, the eyebrows look gone, and this is the world after. And so as that goes on, and they're all walking very sure and slow and cautious, they're all moving in a luxurious way. And one of the things that struck me as well in this showing is that when they leave the runway and they move into the space that they all end up in, in the end, there is dry ice or something in there. It's smoky. And the thing I pulled out of this Amy D is cryo chambers is refrigeration is liminal is other worldly is another space and it it's just so rich and they stand there like mannequins in the fog through the glass like figures in a deep freeze and so, also in this showing, we see figures that have their whole head in a, uh, what looks to be, well, they're veiled and they have these helmets on, and the veils are covering their heads and their genitals, and then the rest are exposed. And they're the ones that are walking more luxuriously, more smoothly, more regally. And there's a separation here in the narrative that's going on, as opposed to the other ones that are in these amazing, again, platform shoes with the metal work and uh, incredible clothing. And there's a, you know, there's a, a really fabulous, looks like a fur or a feather jacket duster with a basic safety pin holding as a as a button or a clasp and the darkened eyes they've gone through something something's happened they're all extremely of course very very emaciated looking and this this is at play they're very for me clonish they're very uh sci-fi they're very another planet they're showing us what comes next for the human form, for humans, and what comes next in in a milieu of ideas. There appears to be something about royalty coming to me with this show. But royalty, in a way, you would experience it, say, if you were... On the Starship Enterprise with Captain Kirk and encountering another species, another planet. Again, gender is a very loose thing in this show. There are old school silhouettes here that think you think ball gown, you think old school dresses, but the, the models are all very much in the ether in the liminal space. There are clear ones that look like we're looking at women. But are we? There are are silhouettes here where the whole head is covered, and the models coming out of what looks like a pod. Again, a pod, covered head. We're seeing form and figure coming up out of this. It looks like the birth of something new, something mysterious. And so Amy D, I'm going to pass this on to you. What were your interpretations of this showing? It's very strong. It's very provocative. It's very grotesque. It's also beautiful. It's absolutely everything I personally want from high art and from avant-garde art And again, that model selection is so beautifully done because we have a lot of different ideas of what what could be here. They're obviously they're showing every race, but it's not a predominance towards one because the idea in general is a new race. So I'm going to hand this off to you. And again, another brilliant soundtrack.
1: This was an incredible show. I'm going to start with the look that you just described, the one where there was a black pod kind of coming out of another pod. The woman's head was black and decorated. And the way I described it was Little Shop of Horrors, Alien Birth. It was the only way I could think of it. And then to to where I'm looking at right now, which I think is um, a couple looks before it, that same look you were looking at with the bald-headed model, the very alien, other species um, look that w- compared to what we're used to, very much the new look. It struck me as a very interesting silhouette. Uh, first of all, it's, I don't know the fashion-y terms, but what I do know is the thing that I'm seeing looks like an hourglass. And it also resembles sort of a pyramid. And I understand a woman's shape looks like an hourglass, but it really is emphasized here because, well, to start with, the front of her dress it's a it's kind of conical so it goes down and it creates sort of a hoop skirt but there is a reveal in the front which is quite large it's not a slit it's a reveal and it's basically it's quite literally like showing you underneath the skirt of this new species that that, that's my interpretation and what it also kind of connotes to me is a woman who or a a figure a person a, a being on top of a pyramid and what you're seeing on the top of the pyramid is a, it's, a, it's the revelation of the species so this is a very revelatory look to me and i think we're getting a lot i also noticed that when the models walk down the runway there's always a picture or an angle at which the camera catches them with the angel wings behind them which i know is a pretty like cute millennial trope, but also I think completely removed from that. This is so much bigger. And I think they are sort of using the gargoyle angel originals motif. I also really got a lot out of how slow they were moving and how restricted their movement was. And just you know, from I'm always looking at things kind of old world to new world. So if we're looking at Age of Pisces, which is all about movement and travel and mixing it up, I would in ultimately ending us where Demna has left us in the mud pit because it's all been so mixed up and deconstructed. Then we have this new sort of clean image of very defined, but newly defined, not defined in the former ways. And they don't move. It's a lot more rigid. There's not maybe, there might not even be water to travel on. I have no idea. But there's not that freedom of movement that there once was. That's sort of what I took of it. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous show. Very regal. Very, um, in a very different way, it gave the same lines and same silhouettes as American story, horror story, apocalypse then as did Demna's but in very different ways it's very interesting to see how they manifested and it kind of almost is in this way that they did it in the show which is there was two distinct classes there was the people that ran the experiment and then there were the people that participated in the underground sort of they got to do the day-to-day and it was very much uh, clear by the way they were dressed that That was it. And that was the way they were dressed was very futuristic, but also it could have been from the 1800s. You know, it's hard to really tell. And, uh, I think this was an amazing show on its own and we'll go further into looks, but really when you compare it to what we just saw with Balenciaga, I mean, are we telling a greater story? Has there ever been a greater story told?
0: These two showings from these artists, these fashion designers, are absolutely paired well. I don't know if there was any intention in that. I don't know the backstory much on Han. And, uh, uh, you know, we will learn, and hopefully our audience, of course, will inform us as well. This is clearly a different space. They don't need to be in a hurry. These are queens or kings. They are nobility. They are something different, and they do not need to be in a hurry. But also, at the same time, there's a sense that there's a hive mind going on, and there's a lot of imagery also that, sneakily, I want to say, gives us some mm, geiger, some alien. There's some stuff going on that is is definitely very strange to try and pick apart. And so I'm just not going to do it, but I love your catch of that beautiful statue which looks to me, I don't know the age, but I would guess it's probably 19th century, 1800s. Although in Milan it could be it could be quite older, but it just has that 1800s look to me. I'm very much enjoying seeing those wings as the models walk down and come towards the camera. It's, it's intriguing, and it's obviously intentional because this is curated. As we've said before, these shows can take up to a year. They're always thinking about the show after the show, after the next show. There's a step ahead, and... This just becomes unreal. So the androgyny, again, it's at the forefront here. There's so much to unpack, but ultimately, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We just wanted to introduce this and say that we found this to be a good pairing. That in-shot where they're all behind glass, behind the pillars, in the smoky room that looks like a freezer or some sort of meat locker is incredible. The whole show is basically, they're almost all in dark tones, all in black, I think. But there are, they, they bring out, and I don't know if it's the last model or not, is in absolutely white. And she's uh, a woman of color, well, a person of color, (laughs) and absolutely in sheet white regalness with a different walk than the others. And yet the makeup is still giving us this uh, emaciated, Something's gone on. Look and an incredible silhouette that is featuring this idea of the person coming forth out of something. So, you know, the other thing I saw was silver. Silver's playing heavy in the show. There's a silver dress and. It's brilliant. So that's why I want to leave it. We could deconstruct this for hours, but we're going to leave it here and just say bravo, brava, and huzzah to this show, Chef's Kiss, as you say, Amy D. And I do want to note, the glasses are incredible. I personally would love to have a pair of those. This was quite the look forward into what these visionaries are perceiving the next season to be. And like we were talking about earlier, it is the artist that shows us what cannot be seen. And once we are able to see something, we are able to project upon it. And when we are projecting upon something that we didn't see before, it's a very specific kind of energetic exchange that happens because a thing then becomes a living thing in a different way because it's charged by the energy and the amount of energy from the more people that view it, the more people that talk about it, the more people that feed it. We call this an egregore. We call this a tulpa. You can look those terms up. It becomes its own thing and it lives in the world, a world where it didn't exist before because it became something out of creation and out of creation, the world forms. And so this is the greater deal when looking at the world around us, when looking at the pop culture in the world around us, how it affects us, how we are repulsed by it or drawn to it. The amount of people that feed into it become part of it. And then what becomes or once was exotic, what once was brave and new, what once was a spectacle becomes common and mundane until the next season, until the next great artist until the next visionary gives us something to project upon. We are collectively now coming out of the darkness. I know it seems like we're moving into it, but collectively we are coming out of it in a way that is refreshing. We're coming out of it because if you're listening to this, you're questioning the world around you. If you've made it this far, and if you've been following us all along, then you're on this journey of questioning the narrative, the narratives, and looking at the world as it's evolving, because we're all projecting into it. We call this the zeitgeist. Or you could pick up the Herman Hesch book, you know, the Glass bead game. We're creating something out of nothing, and then that nothing creates something else. And we get distortion upon distortion. It breaks down into fractals, into Mandelbrot. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, then that's a call to try and understand what I'm saying. Look these things up, become part of the story, start engaging the world around you, at least intellectually, until you become the world around you. And this all becomes a process of Genesis from within rather than without. I have had a wonderful time again with you, Amy D what a great showing here, a lot of provocative work for people to chew on a lot of interesting stuff to move forward and talk about. And I can't wait till we get to see the next season of goodies because it's surely a roadmap and we need the roadmaps right now. We need every bit of uh, understanding as to what's going on before it happens. And this is part of how we parse that out. So Amy D, how do people find us?
1: They can find us at Prima Donnas of the gutter podcast on Instagram or at Prima Donnas of the gutter podcast at gmail.com. But please do get in touch with us on Instagram. It is simply the better place to know what's going on. We really provide a lot of supplements and you can also look at all of our episodes at starlight.watch slash Prima Donnas of the gutter. And I think we have all 10 episodes up over there about to have number 11 and check out what you see. And I hope you like it. And in my final word would be, you know, in this age of, uh, of we just got to be more careful of what we attend to. So everyone be mindful of what you're attending to because it can really blossom right in front of you. Giving it life.
0: Absolutely. And girl, you give me life. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to do this with you.
1: Absolutely
0: love you, Nash. Love you too, Amy D. Thank you, all of our listening audience and anyone that comes to this show and finds these words. We are sending out thought bouquets of fabulous flowers that are fragrant and that will help awaken your senses. Get into it. And with that, we will say, "Adieu," or until we meet again abiento